church family. Yeah, God's put something on my heart to share. And um, just like Ross said last week, it was his briefest, shortest message ever. I think that's going to be the same for me today too. So not a super lengthy one, and that's okay. But um, what I want to share with you today, um, I've entitled, I Believe Help My Unbelief. I Believe Help My Unbelief. And the very first song we sang was about believing. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember those words jumped out at me. I thought, yes, that's what I really want to talk about today. Believe. You know, Christmas, and it's not, I don't have a Christian message, a Chris, sorry, Christmas message, um, but Christmas isn't just a story. It was, it was real, it happened. And um, the essence of believing in God isn't just for Christmas time and then we forget about it until the next December and we, you know, bring it out again. Um, so um, when it comes to sharing a message, just like Ross was saying last week, a thought or a theme comes to mind, but it's usually because it's pressing on us in our own personal life, and um, then it's just something that we share. So um, I, guess, I guess that's what I'm doing today as well. I believe, help my unbelief, has been resonating with me since about March. Now, I know I've shared in a previous message, I've been on this journey this last couple of years of being a bit unsettled where I am at work and in life, and saying to God, I think I need a change. But it's really scary to have a change, and what you've done you've been doing for 33 years and it's ever since you got out of uni and you don't know anything different. And um, so back in February of 1990, after just at the end of February, after about a month of being teaching, um, I was granted permanency. So that means I didn't have to do contracts like a lot of people do today, just went boom, you're in, that's it, kind of for as long as you want to stay there. And um, so that's been quite a journey. And so over the last couple of years when I thought, gee, I'd like to do something different, it's really hard to get out of the mould that you've been in. But um, I knew that it was getting close to time to do something different. So this year, I took the year off leave without pay, thinking, oh, I'll just be able to rest a bit, figure out what I want to do. And then all of a sudden, back in term one, they couldn't fill a full-time English position at school. Now, I'm a PE health and English teacher, but they needed an, an English teacher. So I stepped in, they said, for three weeks. I'm not sure if I shared this part last message, but it kind of builds to what I'm doing today. So I stepped in for three weeks but I was still looking for this person they couldn't quite find. And at the end, at end of the second week, I said to them, you know, how are you going finding that person? And they said, no, nah, could you do just another couple of weeks? And I said, yeah. And a couple of weeks down the track, they said, oh, we still haven't got someone, and um, could you do to the end of term? So I had a full five English classes full-time, and I hadn't been full-time for years either. So it was a really big ask of me, because I was thinking I was just going to CRT, just come in some days, go out, nice cruisy, no preparing, no marking, no reports, any of that sort of stuff for any teachers out there who know. I'm looking at Rosa, she's nodding down the back. Um, so it was quite different. So when, that, when they did find an English teacher and that person started in term two, it was like, oh, I, can I can CRT, which is casual relief teaching, just when you go in as they call you, maybe three days a week, maybe four days. And so for term three and term four this year, that's what I've done. And I was there at least four days a week, um, just because it was so busy and the need so, so there in the profession. And then it got to the end of term three and the assistant principal said to me, um, we've got a proposition for you. Um, one of the guys is leaving and he's just, just told us and he's starting next term in Queensland. We need someone to fulfil his position next term, so which is term four, which we're just about to finish. Would I be interested? And at least he was PE, health and English. It meant I'd have a mix of it, which was great. And so I said, yes, as long as I got my Wednesday off, go back to being four days a week. So they said, yep, we can do that, we can make that work. So um, from not thinking I was going to be you know, busy at work like that and transitioning to find something else, all of a sudden I was busy. And so this last week, 
I finished marking my last paper, putting my last report comment up, and on Friday I had my last official class ever with kids. And um, I haven't quite caught my breath yet. Uh, still this week coming up of activities, but, but that's it. I've actually, as of next year, resigned my ongoing position, and I'm going to do something different. And um, so that, I believe, helped my unbelief, my unbelief that I couldn't do something different. God's come through, and he's actually already got something um, in line for me to do next year, something to retrain and maybe lead into a new career. They call it mid-career checkpoint. I hope I'm not working to 110, because that would be mid-checkpoint, mid but um, that's where we are. So let's get to the message. That's the background so that you, you can understand. When I talk about I believe, help my unbelief. So I always believe that God would look out for me and have something for me, but it's really hard to believe in something new when you've only done the one thing. Um, and I know I've shared the Charles Blondham story with you before, but I want to just briefly read that to you as we talk about belief and real belief. So Charles Blondin, he was a, um, a French acrobat. And um, on July the 15th, 1859, Blondin walked across the 340 metre breadth of Niagara Falls that goes between Canada and America. And he went across the tightrope and then he walked backwards. And then he picked up a wheelbarrow and he pushed the wheelbarrow across on the tightrope. And they've got vision and footage of this, so it's real. It's not just a made-up story. And he pushed the wheelbarrow. So the Blondin story is told that it was after pushing a wheelbarrow across while blindfolded that Blondin asked for some audience participation. And the crowds had watched and they'd oohed and they'd aahed as they saw what he'd done because he'd proven that he could go across the tightrope. And now he was asking for a volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow and, and take a ride across the falls with him. It is said that he asked his audience, do you believe I can carry a person across in the wheelbarrow? And of course the crowd shouted, yes, they believed. And it was then that Blondin posed the question, well, who will get in? And of course, if you know the story, no one did. Um, the story of Charles Blondin paints a real-life picture of what faith actually is. So the crowd had watched the daring feats. They said that they believed he'd proven his actions that he could do it. But when it came to actually, you know, putting themselves in a position where they truly believed, they didn't. So it's one thing for us to say that we believe in God. It's true faith, though, when we believe God. So that's um, just to, by way of putting some context there. So we have faith as a gift from God. We read that in Ephesians 2, verse 8 through to 10, it talks about that. Faith gives us the capacity to believe, which helps us to believe in lots of things. And I want to mention three things today that we can believe. Firstly, who God is, that he's sovereign and that he's a loving God. Secondly, who he says we are, that we are a child of God. And thirdly, in what he can do in us, and for us. So not just say I believe, but actually believe. And so I want to look at those things. But we're humans and we're clouded by just life that goes on around us. And sometimes um, you know, our limitations get in the way and we don't really believe to the full extent that we need to. So really believing at times can be a challenge, a challenge. Believing in God's goodness and in his provision for us. And I know as I look around the room here, there are people here who've had job contracts, job contracts, job contracts, looking for jobs, etc. And God has always come through. And um, so when we dare to think that he could do something different, if he's done it for us before, we can trust him and, and believe again. Even if in the immediate in front of us, we don't quite know what's next. Um, in Mark chapter 9, we read in verse 24, I do believe, 
help me overcome my unbelief. And that's what I want to focus on just briefly, to remind us to keep believing that God is good and he is for us when circumstances around us just sometimes might look different to that. Referring back to Ross again from last week, he mentioned that if we don't have hardships and disappointments, um, then we don't build the character that we need to become all that God's actually created us to be when he shared that meet cute last week. And that, that sat well. Um, so no one wants hardships, but just like gold um, needing heat to emerge as a beautiful metal or as a diamond having the intense pressure applied to it that creates its facets, and Ross spoke about both those things last week, then we too will have heat and pressure applied to us in our life if we're going to end up being that beautiful thing that God's created us to be. So sometimes when we're going through hardships and we're thinking, why is this happening? God's actually just forming us into the real us that he's wanting us to be. So not everything goes smoothly all the time, and so we can lose a bit of hope and belief in a bigger and a better picture for ourselves. Now, I'd like to read from Mark chapter 9, and I'll get Vicky to put that up in just a sec as I read through. Mark chapter 9, going from verse 15 to 29. And it's kind of a bit of an odd passage to read, but it talks about belief and unbelief and asking God to help us believe. So I'm going to read that out, which means I'm going to put my glasses on. Because when I printed out my message, I printed it out in really big font. (laughs) But the Bible's in really small font. So here we go. So Mark chapter 9, reading from verse 15. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has, been ro- that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has it been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, it convulsed violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. So just with that as context, I know it's not really a Christmas passage talking about a boy with convulsions and things, but um, hopefully if you stay with me, it'll make sense. So um, here we go. So I love that verse, verse 24, I do believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. So that brings me to us. I believe, um, help my unbelief sits with me at times, and so I wonder if that sentiment sits with me, that it might also sit with you. So let me pose some questions for us to consider, and then we'll see what God has to say. I'm going to share quite a few scriptures with you today, but 
don't get scared, just bear with me and I want you to be asking yourself about these scriptures as I read them because I don't have the answers to life but God's got his answers and he gives them to us in his book, the Bible. So these couple of questions I want to pose to you. Do we believe who God says we are, what our identity is? Do we believe what God says he will do for us personally or just for others? And thirdly, do we believe in change, that people can change and that our circumstances can change? And um, I don't know if any of those are answers that you're looking for at the moment, but, but God wants you to know that he'll come through for all of those things for you because he says, if we seek him, we will find him. So, and if we believe, do we live like we believe? Scripture tells us in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So that means that we're personally valuable to God, that he sent his son. I mean, we, Christmas is all about Jesus being sent. He sent his son for us. And I love the fact that we've celebrated that this morning already, the Christmas story, that God sent Jesus um, just through the carols, that the gift of Jesus just shows how much God loves us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 tells us that we've been adopted as children of God through Jesus and as such we are loved by God. So when we stop and think that our creator God who made heaven and earth, that he loves us. It's hard to fathom but the Bible tells us that and so it must be true. And I want to read Numbers 29 verse 19 just to reiterate that which says, God is not a man that he should lie. So it means what God says in his word is true and we can have confidence in it. So God loves us on our bad days as well as our good days. It's hard to really take in because, you know, we can love people when they're nice and things are going well, but sometimes it's hard for us as humans to love others when they're not being nice back to us and situations are horrible. But God's not like that. Um, Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. So that means that God always loves us. So good days, bad days, the good, the bad, the ugly, he still loves us. And that's reassuring that even when we mess up, God still loves us. So when we struggle in life, where do we draw our strength from? And I'd like to read Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Another truth that we can believe. And so how does he strengthen us? glad you asked James 4 verse 8 says if we draw near to God then he will draw near to us so I guess the point that I'm making is that our identity is that we are a loved child of God and he wants that relationship to add to that I'd like to say do we believe what God says he will do for us personally or just for others and I know Andrew's mentioned that a few times in the front before, you know, especially with financial blessing or other things. Oh, I've seen God do it for someone else. How about he does it for me? Well, someone's got a healing, but we haven't yet received the healing, or a loved one hasn't. But um, I heard a preacher one time say that if we struggle to think that we're individually important to God, that when we read scripture, we should put our name in it. I wonder how many people have ever done that before. Have you ever, anyone? Yeah? Great. So, um... For example, I read John 3.16 before, I'll read that again. So instead of saying, for God loved the world, but to read that God loved Roz, and for you to put your own name there, for God so loved Christine, 
that he gave his one and only son. You know, I love that. So if we ever struggle, please just put your name in there. Even physically write it in the Bible if you need to. Um, and 1 John 1, 9, a favourite verse I learned as a kid and it's always stuck with me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So once again, if we put our name in there, if Ros confesses her sin, then God will forgive Ros's sin, your sin. He says it, he means it, and we can believe it. And um, furthermore, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know that's a verse that lots of us know, and a lot of us really hang on to that for hope as we believe in God. Because it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, had plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God wants for us. So when I've been thinking and contemplating, what could I do, you know, different? And he said to me, for I know the plans I have for you, Ross. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Time to move into something else. We can trust him. And I know there's some others in the congregation who are looking for a different career, something different in life. We can trust God. So if we put our name in that passage, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. So the Bible in Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. So once again, if I put my name in there, Ros can approach God's throne with confidence. Hazel can approach God's throne with confidence. Rob can. We can approach his throne with confidence because we're his children. We're not foreign to him. If we've called on Jesus, we're his children. And he asks us to do that. here here we go um, I heard a story I heard one time helps me to understand this if we're coming home to our place we open the fridge and we help ourselves to eat whatever we like we lay on the couch you know we're at home we're comfortable but what if we're invited to someone else's house but they're running late and they say to us you know grab the key let yourself in make yourself at home how many of us and maybe some might how many of us would help ourselves to their fridge how many of us would lay on their couch and feel comfortable you know because it's a bit like that with God he's our dad he's our father when he says to us approach his throne with confidence we can be at home with that and we can trust him in that so getting back to the uh, Mark chapter 9 story um, the disciples said to Jesus later in the passage in verse 29 right there at the end why can't we why couldn't we cast out the spirit and Jesus said that it would only come out with prayer so there's another little gem, another little hint for us. There's a lesson that maybe sometimes in our life something hasn't changed because we actually haven't brought it to God in prayer. We might be thinking and wondering and hoping and pondering but actually haven't prayed about it. Um, so if you're seeking a change for something, pray and expectantly wait to see what God will do. And that doesn't mean sit and do nothing. We need to position ourselves so we can hear from God but um, we can trust him. And you're going to like this, Ali. I've got a verse from Job. Job 22, verse 27. And it says to make your prayer to him and he will hear you. Okay, remember earlier, God is not a, lo a man that he would lie. So when he says that, make your prayer to him and he will hear you, he actually does hear you. He actually does hear me when I pray. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And I really love that because sometimes we know what words to pray, but sometimes we just don't. And we're kind of like, oh, God, but he still understands us in that with his Holy Spirit within us. God hears us. And another lesson also that's in Mark chapter 9 is when Jesus says in verse 23, if only you believe, all things are possible. And I wonder if you just pause for a moment and I wonder if there's something in your life about whether you're not sure who God is or what your identity is or whether you believe that change can happen in your life. I wonder if only you believe all things are possible, if you might actually take hold of that today and know that things are possible. Verse 24 says, I believe, help my unbelief. And that's the mode that I've been in throughout the year. God, I believe that you can, you can do something different. I believe that there's something else for me, but help my unbelief. And, um, and he's come through. And um, I'll share with you maybe another time what the new chapter might be. Um, so the man did believe in Jesus. He was just saying in his natural he struggled. And I guess in all of our naturals we struggle. But Jesus is supernatural. So we can trust him. We can rely on him. Um, and it's no different for us when we want to believe for a change maybe in a family circumstance or in a health situation or an employment situation or a housing situation because things in life change around us all the time. But God wants to help us, you know, if only we would believe. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, it talks about having faith in order to believe. I remember before I said that God gives us faith as a gift and at Christmas time, you know, we're ready to receive gifts. So how about this year we receive the gift of faith from God so that we can believe all that his word tells us. Come to the last page.